Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and I talk our NBA playoff projections and our finals picks. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Office Podcast. I'm here chilling, Derek Dawson, with my main man, Sean Gantworker. We had some, uh, we were kind of doing a little pre-party previous to the record button, so we're trying to bring it back down to at least Mars, because we're way up there. Sean, what's going on with you, brother? Um, my energy level is just off the chain today, so uh, I'm going to try to control myself, but it's it's playoff season, baby. What, what, what can I love? The, the, the world is great. You know, it's it's definitely great. We're going to talk about those playoffs in a second. Um, but before we get to that, we're going to just talk about a few things that are going on. First of all, all right. happy 25-year anniversary to the WNBA. Great opening day, great opening weekend, great opening slate of games, and the WNBA, I'm so proud of them. Sean, this is a lane that we are both very fond of. Sabrina, whoo, go. I, I want you to the first, go, you go, talk about her. First uh, triple-double, yes, talk about it, I'm sorry. She is, she is something else, you know. And anybody who watched her, uh, obviously, in in college and even in the end of high school, if you managed to clutch any of that footage, you knew she was something special. But my lord, is she just? She's she's one of the people that you watch the game, and even if even the people who are the most sour about the WNBA, the WNBA, which you and I are not, like we're we're optimists about this. The amount of young talent that's slowly matriculating oh. throughout this entire league is is sensational, and like you said, a triple double. For the New York Liberty at that young an age against that level of competition, it's it's remarkable. And uh, frankly, it seems like something she has the skill set to just keep replicating because when you can move on the ball on the ball court like her, handle, pull up, like there's not much you can do to stop her, to tell you the truth. And it's those kinds of performances that, while truly remarkable, are really necessary for the WNBA to survive because these women have long said and demonstrated that they are a step above the rest. And uh, it's performance like this that really helps sell that to you. She needs to um, get a nickname, some type of logo. I think it should just be her, her initials, SI. Like, SI is good. Like, 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 just like Sports Illustrated, the you know? Yes, yeah, Sabrina Illustrated, something like that. Definitely. You know, Sabrina just Illustrated, definitely. You know? I, I love it, man. Three, you know? Why not? It's crazy, man. It's crazy, you know. Um, moving on. And she'll be getting a shoe soon. <laughs> Mo- moving on. Uh, you know what? I-, I was never really a fan of the, the brotherhood. I'm- no disrespect, Grant Hill and-, and all of you guys. No disrespect, Thomas Hill, Christian Leitner. You know, but Duke University is is trending to become my favorite university, you know. 
when when Kara, when Kara Lawson was hired as coach of the women's team, it, it was I was ecstatic about that, you know. But now Duke just said, "Oh no, we're not done yet." Nina King, named athletic director, is just fascinating. I'm so proud to to be able to witness this and Duke University. Hats off to you. Go, Sean. No, I mean, I, I completely agree. Anytime you can... Like, she didn't get selected on a whim, right? Right. She re- And she replaced a guy who, after 13 years, had had helped ridden this Duke, Duke train uh, alongside Coach K and the rest to greatness. And being that kind of successor, it's no small staff. And you look at what Nina has done with coaches, student-athletes, all the staff. She is Duke through and through, and... She's got big shoes to fill, and I have no reason to to assume that she can't. I mean, a black female uh, African-American director of athletics, given everything that's going on in the world in this giant institution, and she put the work in, right? 13 years of staff. She was the COF. Yeah. She was an HR person, yeah. which is a nightmare. Yeah. In college <laughs> athletics. Yeah. She's got a really good legal mind. She's she's been involved, obviously, in women's athletics and football. Like, what what more do you want? She is the complete package, and she's she's forty. She's you know she's just barely dipped past forty. So I don't think this is going to be the final stop on her rise to the top. But it's a it's a hell of a one to have achieved. Definitely. Um, she chaired the Division One Women's Basketball Committee last season. She also teaches a course in Duke's Business School. So. Uh, congratulations. Uh, if I give her one piece of advice, it's like ride this Duke train as long as you can, then just go to UConn and go to a successful university where you can help oversee fantastic basketball and uh, administrative efforts. You know, so speaking of schooling, even, even in a whole different realm, uh, there's two twins out of Louisiana, 6'9", Florida twins. I'm not Louisiana, Florida, sorry. Matt and Ryan Bewley. They are the first high school juniors to join a professional team, basketball, high school juniors, signing with the Overtime Elite. Um, this is a, a, a team that pretty much gets these guys before they are even eligible to go to college, and they're paying them both a six-figure income for the next two years. Um, this can go wonderfully awesome or horribly wrong in, in just one wrong turn. And I'm for the G League Ignite, um, grabbing guys who don't want to necessarily go to college. And I'm actually kind of for this. I just hope that it's managed right. What are your thoughts, Sean? I'm, I'm very skeptical, like you said. I'm incredibly cautious about this. Um, I love the game of basketball, and I love the idea of giving all these guys uh, different avenues to the pros and making money and if you don't want to co- go to college, and I don't care if you can throw a basketball hoop or not, you run into no obligation to do so. Uh, you make your own choices in life. Wait one second. <clears throat> uh, that being said, um, I'm skeptical about these kinds of startups. I think we found it most recently with, like, do you remember the Alliance of American uh, Football? Yes. The new Spring League? Yes. But anytime you have these big money projects coming from all sorts of weird places in the business world and entertainment field, in this case specifically, it's Jeff Bezos. Um, 
you know, Drake and some, some uh, foreign investors, I, I do get skeptical because all it takes is one bad, uh, one bad month and these people start withdrawing their money. And once that happens, the people who pay the ultimate price are not the fans, but they're these players. And now you have these players who aren't even like the, you know, the 25 to 35-year-old, either washouts, never has-beens, or still still fighting for it from the Alliance of American Football. Um, you have 16 and 17-year-olds, and I just, I just get scared. So, yeah, the company is valued at around $250 million now, and I'm sure they've got some equity, still, good equity behind it, but... I'd be very cautious um, for, for, for the meanwhile. So I hope for the best for all these kids because I don't think the Buleys will be the last. Uh, I, I hope this works out because I believe what the G League has created is a pretty good foothold and they're being pretty transparent about educational efforts, about subsidizing these kids, about housing and the like. And uh, I need to hear a little more about the overtime elite before I can say, well, they've got six figures from, from dark money, but... I'm assuming the best. So I, I, I totally agree with you on that. But there is one aspect that, you know, so when I was because these guys are juniors. So I was 16, 17 as a junior. OK. And pretty much when I was 16, 17, I worked at Ace Hardware sweeping floors and, and filling the, the uh, Coke machine and helping people out with their lumber and and. You know, it wasn't a Home Depot where it was a bunch of, you know, people helping out. It was a small little neighborhood Ace Hardware. So I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I cut your key, too. And uh, I helped you with, with lawn fertilizer. So I did all that. Um, had you told me at that time that I can make $100,000 a year because it's, it's over seven figures and it's for two years. Um, for two years, would I rather, you know, help Miss, Miss Johnson out on aisle three? <laughs> or where I'd rather shoot some hoop making a hundred grand a year for at least two years. I, I, I doubt the trajectory of me at Ace Hardware um, um, would have probably panned out to that at that particular time at 16, 17 and 18, you know? Oh, yeah. So that's one thing. And, and besides that, before they even, let's just say what would be the alternative that they stay in high school to get ready to go to the G League Ignite. And, okay, fine. Now, and we'll talk about this in a minute because there's another guy who's, who's doing something similar. But they have to stay with this team for two years, and then they still won't be eligible to go to the G League or to the NBA uh, draft because of their age. So they can join the G League after those two years. Um so they still have three years of. So they would have to do two years of this team, and then one year with the G League Ignite before to even going to the NBA. But they could have made seven hundred grand in those three years. That's that's a gamble. They a lot of these kids are going to take. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, I mean, whether it was you with Ace Hardware or I was a, I was a camp counselor for like seven years. Unquestionably, had I the opportunity to immediately make this kind of money, I would have taken it. And I think that's good and bad. I think everybody should have that kind of opportunity, particularly when you are this special, right? Like, what the Beauty Twins can do is something that a rare breed of people on this earth can do. And uh, I, I obviously think they should maximize that to their potential as people and uh, their potential as athletes. 
That being said, as much as I, I, I trust their intentions, I'm always skeptical about the world of business and their intentions. And uh, if they're, let's say, uh, inflation continues and the stock market continues the way it was, I just remember that the first three weeks of the Alliance of American Football was fantastic. And then one investor uh, got wind of a of a bad a bad wave of financials coming and he just pulled it out and it was just a, a law of dominoes so i would hope that there is uh lawyers involved to make sure that regardless of what happens to this league should it succeed or fail uh these contracts will be paid out in full and there will be a proper parachute for for each and one of these guys i mean who? i know i sound like a real bummer but who's their competition works. who's their competition who would they be playing they're not so. It's obviously not the AAU circuit, right? Who would they? Because that's that's your con, that's your competition. I mean, who? who are, I, I don't know. Are you like playing the Globetrotters and the Washington Generals? Like, you know, we did. You know, hear about Kevin Garnett going into a Bulls practice as a high school player and and going against Scottie Pippen, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Like, and that's what we're not like. Who are they practicing against? Who's training them? Because, I mean, there's a finite amount of people, right, who do this. So your, your guy, Kevin Ollie's the coach. Oh, uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> good luck, kids. <laughs> uh, I think Kevin Ollie uh, is... Uh, he seems like a, he seems like he can be a very nice man, and uh, he knows a lot more... He's forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever forget, but... Uh, for anyone who looks past his first two years at UConn with uh, Jim Calhoun's recruits, I uh, I would ask him to prove uh, his capabilities before I assume that they've uh, they've remained. Uh, but nonetheless, like I hope they they also shell out money for training staff, yeah, for for coaching, like you said, for people to even practice against them, for venues. I want these kids need to be playing on actual surfaces and stuff. It's uh. Uh, any business you start is a nightmare. This one alone, I, I don't envy the people uh, who are trying to get this up from the ground up. But as much of a bummer as I've been, I, uh, I, I remain an eternal optimist who loves basketball. So I prefer it do well and these kids do well. And four years down the line, the BLE Twins can be in the NBA saying, hey, we are so far advanced where any other kids our age are. Let's dominate. And we made seven hundred thousand dollars already. Or these homes that they purchased while living in Atlanta. They can do look that too, Sean. Look at these beautiful homes. There you go, Sean. See, see, there we're learning as we go continuously. <laughs> um, which brings us to Sterling Scoot Henderson. Scoot's his nickname. Sterling Henderson, the number seven prospect in the class of twenty twenty two. So he's a junior as well. He signed with the NBA. G League Ignite. Um, and because he's the first high school junior to commit to the program and due to his age, marks the first player signed who is not NBA draft eligible the next year. So what he's going to do is stay at the Ignite for two seasons. Now, I like that route, actually. Yeah. I do, too. And I think we like it because it's it's more transparent, right? We've right. Seen, we've seen... The program that Brian Shaw is building, uh, we recognize the the exposure that guys like Kaminga and Isaiah Todd and Deshaun Nix and 
and and uh, Jalen died. And and, and, uh, and let me let me interrupt you real quick, Sean, because okay. I I missed the most important part of this story. So let me read it. Henderson has finished all coursework and will graduate high school a year early next week with graduation a prerequisite for joining G League Ignite. Because he will not turn 19 until 2023, Henderson will not be eligible for the 2022 draft and is committing to spend two years with the Ignite program. So he finished high school. Job done. Point eight done. Finished. Now it's time to move on. So that's why I love this more. I mean, I can't stress this enough. Even if you don't plan on going the usual route for a career, get your GED. Just, just get your GED. Because whatever happens, that's going to be a security blanket. Yes. And, and I, I'm very encouraged, frankly, that the, the people uh, Scoot had around him and his own work ethic allowed him to achieve this this fast because it's no different, you know, than... Uh, than an incredibly smart kid skipping a few grades to yes. try to get into the workforce early. Yes. This kid just happens to be incredibly athletic. And frankly, it sounds like either a very, very smart or a very hard worker. Uh, so, uh, so I like it. I like seeing the G League get this kind of talent. I like them seeing providing this, these avenues for these kids. And I like seeing Scoot Anderson get about two years to learn in an NBA system alongside guys like Michael Foster and maybe Jaden Hardy and uh, putting the work in. Definitely, definitely. The one thing about it, don't forget about Fambo Zane, that 18-year-old right. kid. Oh, he was going to Gonzaga. The, 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 um, I think he's, he's Chinese. He yes. can't wait till you see this guy. Um, I hope it works out better than Kai Soto. I hope it works out. Kai Soto stayed injured, and so did, uh, uh, who was the other one? Ah, oh, I forgot. There was Principal Singh. Right, right. Yeah, so those are the, the other two. That I, but maybe they'll be able to come back next year. You know, Isaiah Todd came on um, at the end, so I was a little nervous for him as well. Um, but, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I want to see how that pans out going forward. Um, let's go to – let's get to our NBA and our playoff rundown. Playoff started. I'm currently looking at Miami-Milwaukee, the first game of Saturday. Um, Let's do Eastern Conference, Sean. Here's what I want to do. We're going to do projections for each series, the number, the standout person who's going to either emerge for the winning side and as well as the person for the other team who failed. That's why they lost. All right. All right. So let's do Eastern Conference. 1-8, Philly, Washington. Go ahead. Philly, Washington. Well, this one's easy. I, I don't really need to bite uh, to dance around the bush. Although, congratulations to the Wizards and Westbrook, particularly. You and I texted about him. Uh, what he did to get the team this far is really sensational. But unfortunately, the Sixers are, are, are so good. So one versus eight. You know, you've got a you've got a Wizards team that scores a heck of a lot, but they can't really stop you. And unfortunately. The Sixers can Scott stop you and, and score a heck of a lot. So I, I'm going to say, I mean, I think the Wizards probably pull a game out of this. And and Philadelphia does end up winning with, with Embiid obviously dominating, but I do think Ben Simmons will likely be the quote-unquote MVP of the series. 
just because I see him in charge of stopping uh, Westbrook and Beal depart, depending on switches and rotations. But obviously, I, I see Westbrook more or less doing what he wants this entire series. So in a losing effort, he's going to show out. But I think, like, I think on paper and just in reality, the Sixers are just going to be a little too much. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to jump in behind you after each series just so we can kind of make sure we can debate or whatever. I have Philly as well over Washington, but I have Philly winning in Game 7. Yes, and the reason why is a guy named Daniel Gafford. From Arkansas, the former bull. All right, tell me more. I just think he's going to show Joel Embiid he's no slouch. Joel Embiid's still going to do his thing. He's still going to bust 40, but Gafford's going to be, they're going to know his name after this series. I I hope so. I, I think Gafford is a human pogo stick, like, He's in the vein of one of those guys like Jeremy Evans of the Jazz a couple years ago, mm-hmm. where you look at him and you just say, oh my God, if he can just figure this out, like, who's going to stop him? Right. And with, with Gafford alone, he fouls a little too much, and that's my concern, especially with a guy as savvy as Embiid going to work on him, but the dude can block, he can jump, he, uh, he doesn't quite have the footwork underneath the basket yet but he's learning behind robin lopez who fundamentally is as sound as they come so like you said i I actually think that's a pretty good point i would like to see gafford just demonstrate that he can be the guy long term because i like the situation he's found himself with the wizards definitely so so we're going to definitely keep an eye on that one uh let's go to the next one uh what do we have here oh i lost my page there it is all right Three, two, one. There we go. Uh, they will then face the New York Atlanta uh, series. Uh, I'll go first on this one. I think New York is going to win this series, and it's not going to be Julius Randle. I think there's going to be an R.J. Barrett sighting, and I think he's going to do very well in this series. And I think New York's going to beat Atlanta four to two. I think that Trey Young is going to have a hot game and then a cold game. Um, but you'll see Bogdanovich and Gallinari kind of carry um, the Atlanta Hawks. But I got the Knicks over the Hawks 4-2. to two. Go ahead, Sean. Well, it's going to seem like I'm copying you here. But, yeah, I was going to say 4-2 to two as well. But I think it's going to be a really special, cathartic moment, not just for the New York Knicks and Tom Thibodeau, but... I believe Derrick Rose is going to emerge again in the series like he's done for the last two or so months of this playoffs. And he's going to replicate that performance he put out against the uh, the Atlanta Hawks back during the Joe Johnson uh, days oh, where yeah. he was just unstoppable, just penetrating into the lane and splitting defenders. Because uh, as much as I, uh, I believe Trey Young is talented and his defensive uh, acumen has improved a, bit, a little bit, Derek Rose now still has that quick burst and some old man moves, and I think he's just going to go to work. And uh, now that the playoffs are in, Thibodeau's going to be even further locked into his strict rotations. He's not an idiot. I think he's going to lessen Alfred Payton's uh, negative impact on this team and even add in some Frankie Nicotine. But like I said, my guy Derek Rose is, is just going to work, and uh, – and it'll be a, it'll be it'll be a nice four two a pretty grimy dirty basketball because that's how the Knicks get it done. Cool. So we got both teams there. Philly, New York will score off in that second round series, according to Sean and I. 
Uh, two seven. That is Brooklyn. Let's go three six. That's Milwaukee and Miami. Uh, I'm gonna pick Miami there four to two. I think Giannis is gonna still have an all world performance. I think Drew Holiday is gonna do just as well. But I just think Milwaukee's Milwaukee. Um, and I think that Giannis is going to start thinking that he made a bad decision by signing the extension, but right now, too late. Um, and I think that that's going to be the biggest story in this offseason of Giannis's already signed extension. So I got Miami 4-2. God, this is so interesting. It, it really, I mean, I remember us talking about this last year. And yes. I knew it wasn't shocking for anyone to be like Miami's going to beat Milwaukee, but I don't think any of us expected them to just bury Milwaukee like they did, uh, particularly with Giannis going down and then Chris Middleton working his butt off, but ultimately in a losing effort. And you just look at these two teams. No one has faced each other more often than Spolstra and Budenholzer. I believe this is about their 35th meeting uh, in the playoffs. You look at the Bucks, who weren't quite as dominant during this season as they were last year, but they're working in, you know, six new rotation players and still managed to win, still managed to show out. And yet, this Heat, as bad as they were in the early season, finished the finished the play, finished the season winning twelve of the last sixteen and really coming together. So, I'm going to say that the Bucks win this, mm. but mm. I think it will be it'll be close. Um, very, very close, and it won't blindside me the idea that, that, that he can pull it off. But I just see Giannis being able to work against Bam and them having a little, little more flexibility than they did last year, particularly with the Heat missing a guy like Jay Crowder, who I think we'll talk about him later in the mm-hmm. Suns, but he's really special. And uh, I think every team needs a guy like him. And as we've seen with the Heat, guys like uh, Mo Harkless and Kelly Olenek could not quite fill that range of versatility and were shipped off elsewhere or otherwise benched. So I'm going to say the Bucks pull this off, but it's a uh, it's it's a pretty pretty close series. So four three. I will say game seven, baby. Nothing easy, as Azza Pachulia would say. Awesome. Sounds like good. 4-3 Milwaukee for you, 4-2 Miami for me. Uh, the 2-7, Brooklyn, Boston. Um, go ahead, Sean. You can go first. Oh, come on. Yeah. All right. So this this is insane. Um, uh, Harden, Irvin, Durant, they have played eight games together. The Boston Celtics have just been wildly unpredictable. <laughs> I still don't really know what to make of this team, but what I do know for sure is that if the, if the Nets just come out guns a-blazing, the Celtics just don't have it. X-Factors will always remain with Kemba Walker turning into cardiac Kemba and going to work, but even if one of these big three of the Nets doesn't show out, Joe Harris, even on a gimpy ankle, is going, to, is going to just leave you cold. So I think, let's see. I'm not, I'm not going to go sweep. Maybe may a nice gentleman sweep. Okay. Like a like a like a four one ish, mm-hmm. but this Nets, as inconsistent as they've been, have still putting been putting up one hundred and nineteen points a game. Have still on paper been out rebounding the Celtics, which, as we've talked about this entire season, the Celtics should have gotten a center. 
just get a center, stop playing around. Yeah. And the, even and the Nets ball movement, 26.8 re- assists per game. That's pretty funky too. So they're going to just rotate the Celtics to death. And the Celtics, uh, unfortunately, as has been their, their, their case all season, I don't think we'll get it together. So I'm going to go Brooklyn as well. But just like the Philly-Washington series... I got Brooklyn going, winning 4-3. Four, 4-3. Three. Four, three. Yes, and here's why. Yes, Jalen Brown is out, but I just have a weird feeling, man, that Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard are going to show up like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero did last year. And, uh-huh. and they're just going to run into Brooklyn, who's just going to harden Durant, Irving. Those guys are just going to go off, so they're going to be just better than them. But it's going to ignite a, another story for the summer about Jalen Brown getting moved because of the emergence of Aaron Neesmith. And I think that's going to be the underlying story going forward. So we'll keep an eye on that. The only, so we have Philly, New York, Brooklyn, and you have Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I have Miami and Brooklyn. Um, these are going to probably change as well. So you want to finish out the East or you want to go over to the West? And we, we might... I, I... I, I, we might as well finish out the East. Yeah. So just do, do our brackets. So we both have Philly. New, you, we have both have Philly, New York. Who yeah. you got on that one? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give that to seven in Philly. Ooh, ooh. Right. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I'm, I think it's gonna, go ahead. Talk it's to gonna me. Be a goodie. I mean, you're looking at a guy that that loves Tom Thibodeau, loves his brand of basketball, and I think he is just going to twist the knife this entire series and make make Philadelphia win uh, work for it. Ultimately, I think two things. I think talent tends to win out and Brooklyn is more talent and Brooklyn, excuse me. Philadelphia is more talented and also as we've seen in the past, Tom Thibodeau players just get exhausted. You just get tired. Particularly in the playoffs when when the stakes just get that much higher. And while I think they will take it to 7, I think ultimately the talent gap will just be a little too much, but I think it will be entertaining as hell. So, I, when I when I look at this bracket, you know, I think of Charles Barkley and Moses Malone and and, and those more, you know, and all those, you know, Maurice and and, and all Andrew Tony going up against first the Bernard Kings of the world, then transitioning to the Patrick Ewings and. Charles Oakley, you know, Philly, New York games, you know, um, and then Iverson versus the Sprewell teams and, you know, those guys and Philly, New York seems like they're supposed to play in, in a series, you know, and that's why I think New York's going to beat Philly 4-3. <laughs> I think New York is, New York is back. And, and this offseason – it, they're going to really be back because they're going to have a line waiting around the corner to want to play for them. And I think they just needed it to work to see that it works. Um, and I, I think that New York is, is, is by stocking the New York Knicks, y'all. <laughs> they're not Dogecoin. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm still not entirely sure what Dogecoin is, but that's, uh, that's for another time. Yeah. But I think it's a it's a really good time to be the Knicks. You come in with not a whole lot of expectations, 
going in with a guy like Thibodeau, with that front office, it's just stacked to the gills with the with that you know the World Wide West guys. Yes. All those, all those savvy dudes, Leon Rose. All they needed was to impress people, and instead, rather than just impressing people, they got the force in the East. It's 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 remarkable in a really tough year, and as you said, they play their cards right. The Knicks are pretty much guaranteed a sustained run that they haven't had since the early mid nineties. Um, but like you said, you talk about all these incredible matchups, you know, uh, of the, of the past, the Lloyd B freeze oh. versus the scrappy Knicks teams. Oh. I think about the, the Samuel Dallenberts versus the David Lees. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but I think, it, I think it's going to be fun. Like he's, like we said, seven games, you got it going to the, the Liberty bells. I got New York winning in Philly, Game Seven on 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 Sunday. Whoa, whatever ice. Sunday that falls on. So they can't even celebrate with Chick Fil A afterwards. That's, no, that's a double loss. Yep. for the Philadelphia 76ers. But I have them winning. But like you, I, I think if they see it almost holding serve, so it wouldn't shock me. And and but, uh, yeah, well, okay, cool. Nonetheless, so and and the reason, nice, perfect segue. Because you know who's, we'll go to the next um, um, round, or not the next round, the next opponent. You know who's going to be waiting for the Knicks? The Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets. And they're going to play in the Battle of New York. They're going to beat Miami four to one. I'm trying to give them four to two. Let's go four to two because I don't see Jimmy falling like that. I got Brooklyn and New York in the Eastern Conference Finals. You got Philly and who, Sean? All right, so I have Milwaukee uh, versus Brooklyn. And that, I think, is going to more or less be a repeat of Miami-Milwaukee uh, last year. Gotcha. Where I think Brooklyn is just going to pick them apart. Mm. I think Giannis will do more or less what he wants. Like, it frankly wouldn't shock me if that guy averages like 35 and 15 in that series. But that's going to mean nothing with uh, Durant, Kyrie, uh, Harden and Joe Harris just just going to work. So I, I think that's going to be ugly. And I think it's going to be another offseason of panic and introspection for Milwaukee, even though they've got those guys locked in long term. It's just, it's not going to be pretty. So you got a so, 4-1-ish, 4-2? What you got? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a 4-1. I think Ooh. it's going to actually be very similar in optics. Um, we're going to be like, well, if Giannis can just figure it out, but he'll have figured it out. It's not <laughs> right. Giannis anymore. Giannis <laughs> right. has proven everything needs to prove. It's up to Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday now to prove they can be uh, the Robin and the Batgirl to the Batman, right? It's, and I don't think they can. And that's no slight to those guys because mm-hmm. not everybody can be Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen was incredible. You know, right. Sometimes it's good to just be the third best team on a guy, uh, third third best guy on a team. And if you're supposed to be the second person, you can't necessarily do it. So, with all respect to them, that's how I see that going. So, uh, we have different different matchups. Obviously, we have Philadelphia, Brooklyn, right here. Yeah, I think that's going to be great again. Okay, I think that'll be real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I've long thought. With the narrative I'm setting that Brooklyn will figure this thing out, I think they'll win. I think they'll beat Philadelphia. I think it'll be it'll be very close basketball games, but I see it being a four two series. Mm. Ultimately, 
with just it being one of those things where you're like, man, if one of the breaks, if mm. the game just breaks just right for Philadelphia, you mm-hmm. know, but talent will out at the end of the day. It, it, it reminded me, it reminds me of the Utah Bulls finals and the Sonics Bulls finals where the Bulls will be up about 12. Gary Payton or, or Sean Kemp or Carl Malone or John Stockton will make a shot or two, Hornsec, whatever. They'll bring it down to six, but then the Bulls will go on another 6-0 run. It's like, ah, something just needed to break right there, but it didn't. And the Bulls will continue to win, win by eight points, whatever. For that very reason, I have Brooklyn beating the Knicks. 4-2. Very close games. But some some of those just didn't bounce the right way for the Knicks. And I have Brooklyn claiming their first King of New York flag um, and going to the finals. So I guess our, our lists are different, but they're still the same. Yeah, we, we got there one way or another. You know, it's like a presidential forecast where... Uh, all you got to do is get to, uh, what is it, 270 electoral votes. It doesn't necessarily matter how you do it. You, we got there. So um, unless, like like you said, unless the New York Knicks can like master mail-in voting at 3 in the morning, I, I don't see how they beat Brooklyn. How crazy would that be if they beat Brooklyn to go well, to I the mean, finals? The city, the city would finally be on fire for good reasons rather than <laughs> terrible reasons. I would love to see that. I know it's not going to happen, but that even a Brooklyn Knicks – Eastern Conference Finals even start some some fires. You know what I mean? It's like that's okay. <laughs> if anybody can do it, it's it's a Tom Thibodeau team. Yes, because they're they're relentless. You know, they're like Jason Voorhees. I can't wait to see uh, Kevin Durant doing a choke sign to Spike Lee. Oh, oh! If he'll do it, he'll oh he'll do it. Oh, he will definitely do it. Someone's gonna test Spike in, in whatever finals or whatever playoff game is happening. They're gonna test Trey Young's gonna test Spike tomorrow. <laughs> I gotta say though, if I'm like if I'm like Sean Marks and all those Brooklyn guys, I am begging Cuomo and De Blasio to just keep the strip clubs closed. Just keep for, them closed for another right another month or two. Right. Let's go to the let's go to the Western Conference. One uh, eight. Memphis beat the Warriors, um, which I was shocked about, but I was very I was happy to. See, yeah, I was happy to see John Morant kind of stake his claim, as he said, one of the top five point guards. Um, I've got Memphis hanging with Utah, but I have Utah winning, uh, four to two. Four to two. Uh, um, uh, I think it was enough for Memphis to have made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, the Warriors kept firing back. The Grizzlies kept going on those runs. Ultimately, Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr was running a seven man rotation. And that was just too much, I think, for, for Curry to have to carry. And uh, that's taking nothing from the Grizzlies, who I love John Jam- Morant. I love Jonas Valanciunas. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing him going against Rudy Gobert because that's the perfect uh, fundamental offense versus, you know, elite po- uh, post-defense thing. But I think Utah, as they've demonstrated all year, even when they're injured, they're, they're, they're fairly consistent. They're, they're high scoring, about 116 per game. Uh, they don't move the ball around as much as I like, but that's simply because they tend to hit a three off the first pass rather than the second one. Uh, so I think it will be another gentleman sweep situation. Okay. With about a 4 1, but I really like what the Grizzlies are building. And every little bit of play, playoff experience yes. counts for a team this young. Yes. So I don't want them to get at all discouraged about this. 
it particularly because it's not going to kill John Morant to go up against Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell like this. It's only going to benefit that guy. And, and I'm so happy to see that there's life in Jaron Jackson Jr. again. Yeah, I was, and, I and another was offseason, I, I was worried about him. And another offseason, like I'm worried about Marvin Bagley. And there's another offseason that I think this offseason, Jaron Jackson, get yourself right and come back being what we saw that first couple, that summer league game and those first few games of your rookie season. Yeah, unquestionably, Jaron Jackson, healthy, game changer. Yes. Uh, guaranteed healthy for this series, even that, game changer. Yes. But like you said, it's, it's, it's been rough for him. It's just been real rough for him. So get your body right. The, the emergence of, of Dylan Brooks is something else I'm excited about. And I hope Brandon Clark can get back to form. They have a nice little team there, you know, if they can just, just stay healthy. And they got a whole bunch of guys on the bench. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, Conchar. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Tilly that I just feel like. Tillman. This guy's good, good, a good uh, Xavier Tillman. I love Xavier Tillman. Oh, so man. Much. He's got a little bit of uh, Draymond Green in him. He's, he does. He does. He, he reminds me of like uh, a poor man's Carl Malone pers- oh, yeah. personality mixed with a little bit Anthony Mason crazy. He got a little crazy in him. I can tell by his hairstyle. He got a little crazy in him. Oh, yeah. That did. That Moving Gorgie Jang, admittedly for nothing, yeah. was the smartest thing they could have done, just a few more minutes for Xavier Tillman. And uh, I think it will pay off, really, in this series, because I don't see the Jazz really blowing them out. I just see them as having those comfortable wins that just come from being more talented and more experienced. But I think the Grizzlies are, are, are going to keep chipping. And oh, yeah. about another good off-season away full of development and acquisition before uh, they're a force to be reckoned with. Here's a good series. Uh, four or five, Clippers and Dallas. Um, with that one, I Ty Lue is at the helm now, taking over Doc Rivers. Luca is is continuing to do Luca things. Uh, I just I, I don't like this matchup for either team. They both were kind of looking like, oh no, you don't want to play that team. Um, that's the team you don't want to play in the first round. But for that, I'm going to pick the Clippers four three over Dallas. I'm a, I'm a drifter at this one. I'll be honest. So, so the Clippers are about five and a half favorites. Their season series was so weird when the Mavericks, who were even shorthanded, destroyed the Clippers, and you're like, "What's going on? I, I just don't get it." And uh, frankly, I still don't get it with the Clippers. <laughs> I, I don't know what kind of team they are, and uh, I, I think it'll be a fun one, but it really wouldn't shock me if the Mavericks won this one. It wouldn't. That's why I have it (laughs) 4-3. So, for the sake of being different, and because, like I said, I don't know. Like, as much of a basketball prognosticator I am, the Clippers are clearly the more talented team, but who's to say that, like, Paul George won't look at somebody funny in the (laughs) locker room and and Rondo will, like, (laughs) go off. I, I, I I can't say. But all I know is Luka's special incredibly special and if he wants to he can probably will this team cast the Clippers so I'm going to give you a 4-3 Mavericks victory but this is coming from no point of confidence (laughs) okay Sean's got Dallas over the Clips okay and then Mark Cuban can stop complaining about the play-in tournament he once supported. So the, at, at Game 7, you and I are going to be like watching closely because we both have the team, our team winning Game 7. 
Uh, we're we're going to be uh, texting furiously yeah. back and forth. <laughs> yeah, and in your face. Yeah. <laughs> if Luca comes 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 up with that ball with more than point four seconds left and the chance to either tie it or lead it, you know, anything mm-hmm. goes. Another set of teams that didn't want to play each other: Denver and Portland. Um, I'm loving the emergence of Michael Porter Jr. I think he's it's going to continue. Um, I think the Jamal Murray injury is going to be a blessing in disguise to his development and not to wish any, you know, harm on someone, ACL or MCL. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's Michael Porter Jr. is going to take advantage of that. Um, and I think that Aaron Gordon's going to also be very helpful. Uh, so I got Denver beating Portland 4-3. to three. I think Dame Lillard is going to just run out of gas, you know, and not because not to – Due to failure, it's just he and CJ can only do so much. <laughs> and and it's kind of like, oh, man, if we could have got Kevin Love or, or something of that sort. It's just Portland is Zach Collins away from being just a, a good team. Cantor's doing all he can that he possibly can. It's just missing that big. It's just the Achilles heel for Portland. And that's why I just think that. You know, the Joker's going to just be able to dominate. Aaron Gordon's going to be able to be a big against Portland. And I think Denver's going to beat uh, Portland 4-3. to three. And you're going to start hearing rumblings of Dame Lillard to New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you that the Nuggets are going to uh, win it. I don't think it'll be that close. Mm. I could I could see it being another gentleman sweep situation just because, like you said, the Trailblazers are the Trailblazers. They're carried by these incredible performances by Lillard and McCollum, but they're shot in the, the foot by two things. Defense, particularly a lack of defense in uh, around the basket and injuries. And like we've seen all, uh, all seemingly the last decade, these Trailblazers will outscore you, but when they have to stop you, they just can't. And as good as I believe Enos Cantor is, Joseph Nurkic is just going to, you know, wear him like a coat. <laughs> you know, it's it's just, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, can't say enough about what uh, Malone has demonstrated since the Murray injury, like you said, winning 13 of their last 18, giving Campazzo, Austin Rivers, uh, time to find a foothold here. They're still hoping that, uh, you know, Will Barton will ever be anything consistent, but I don't think they even need him to, to win this series, to tell you the truth. So uh, I, I see it being basically uh, the Nuggets will get their four victories, I think, sooner rather than later. And um, as much as it pains me to say that, but either the Trailblazers are going to break it up or they're going to be like Stockton Malone, you know, like always the bridesmaid. So, yeah, I agree. So you got Denver 4-2, Yeah, let's, I'm going to give it a 4-2. 4-2, okay. And then finally, Lakers-Phoenix, the 2-7 matchup. I'll go first, only because I know you have a lot to say about those Suns. Um, so I'm loving what I'm seeing um, from Phoenix. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Chris Paul, Devin Booker. You know, I think DeAndre Ayton is, is going to continue to progress. Uh, Cam Johnson and Bridges are some nice young players who are going to continue to progress as well. I don't think Chris Paul is going to leave Phoenix to go to New York next year either. I think he's going to stay there um, only because the hunger. Well, he's either going to be 
or the hunger's going to be there because they battled the Lakers so well, or the hurt is going to be there and like we're never going to get past these guys. That's why I have the Lakers beating Phoenix four to two. I have the Lakers beating Phoenix four to two, and I have the two Phoenix wins. Kind of magic showing love to Isaiah Thomas. You can have, and that's what LeBron's going to do with Chris Paul. You can have two of those just so you can stay, you like the West Coast a little bit. Um, like I said, that may make Chris Paul say, hey, we can't get, we're never going to win. I'm never going to win as long as this guy's here, you know. Um, or it's going to make him even hungry and say, let's just wait him out because in my next segment, you'll understand why. But I got the Lakers winning over Phoenix 4-2. to two. I'm sorry, man. How can you watch this entire Lakers season and and come out bold as brass saying that? What about the level of consistency these Lakers have shown, both on and off the courts? That I, I mean, maybe maybe the the Lakers will humble me. I've been humbled in the past. I've often picked against LeBron James, sometimes for basketball reasons, sometimes because I'm a very vindictive person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times the Lakers and LeBron James employ uh, LeBron James teams benefit based on sheer intimidation. You are playing LeBron James, who, like it or not, will finish as one of the top two, top three, most likely top two players of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's anyone who's not going to be intimidated by him, it's Chris Paul. It's his banana boat buddy. Mm-hmm. And then we look at the teams, right? We look at the rest of the team. Anthony Davis, unquestionably special. The reason that the Lakers succeeded the way they did last year during the bubble was mostly because Anthony Davis essentially turned into the greatest spot-up shooter of all time. Mm -hmm. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it assuredly seemed like he was shooting 95% from 16-foot jumpers, excuse me. Um, And I don't see that that translating so here's what we have to in order to beat the lakers you need to have bodies you need to have different matchups that can compensate for different looks because if they switch out davis on the perimeter on the interior whether they play lebron in the post or on the perimeter you just got to throw bodies there and i believe the suns have those bodies i think they have jay crowder who is a swiss army knife he's not a lebron stopper but he's about as close as they can come on this team They've got a guy who, I, unfortunately, Abdel Nader's knee is out because I do think he could put his body into some people. But they've got a very, very, very deep team. Probably the deepest team in the league. It says something that this is a team that's won 52 games without having to play guys like Eton Moore or Langston Galloway at all. So if you're looking for warm bodies, they got it. I got this thing going 4-3 and the Suns winning this thing. Ooh. Because... What I think of the Suns is, I think if the Suns want to be the best, they want to prove they can beat the best. And I think they wanted nothing more this entire time than the Grizzlies to beat the Warriors last night. Because I think they want this and they want it now. Because this is the most vulnerable the Lakers have ever been and probably will ever be. Wow. You know what, Sean? What it sounds like to me is... So, okay... I'll jump back to yours. Okay, so I have Utah Clippers, Lakers, Denver. You have Utah, Dallas, Phoenix, Denver. 
So, I'm just going to cut my side short because I want to talk about your side. I got the Clippers beating Utah 4-2. I got the Lakers beating Denver 4-2. I have the Clippers-Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. I'll talk about the pick later. Comparing that to your four, Utah, Dallas, Phoenix, Denver, this sounds like one of those Michael Jordan versus Sonics Utah series because the winner of any of those games are going to be the smaller market versus the expected winning team in Brooklyn, Utah, Dallas, Phoenix, and Denver. So is this Charles Barkley versus Michael Jordan all over again? Because it sounds like you're going to have Phoenix going against Brooklyn in the finals. This is what it sounds like. And Chris Paul being the Charles Barkley of said Phoenix Suns. Oh, you spoiled it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's precisely what I have. And it really does bear those comparisons. Do you think maybe they can coax John Paxson out of retirement? Where is Dan Marley when you need him? Get fun- well, I can tell you where Thunder Dan is. <laughs> I believe he's golfing like six feet away from me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I can also, I've got a good line on Tom Chambers. Oh, yes. Yes, make him uh, jump, make him sky jump, dunk with two hands over Isaiah Thomas. And I think, I think this is, it, it calls to mind uh, those, not Warriors-Raptors, a little bit of Warriors-Raptors. Of course, there was that giant caveat because of, uh, because of the injuries the Warriors reflected. Mm. I think the series also has a little bit of uh, <laughs> the scrappy LeBron James beating uh, the second best team of all time, the Warriors, right. in the seven-game series. Right. Mm. So, uh, Utah-Dallas, you have... Who do you have in that? I, I have uh, Utah. Oh, you have Utah going to the Western Conference Finals. Okay, that's going to do good for new uh, minority owner Dwayne Wade and those guys up there. And then... Well, you, you know I got to do right by my guy Dwayne Wade. Uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and then the Phoenix and Denver, you got Phoenix winning. I, I got Phoenix winning that probably in, in six. Ooh. And it'll be one of those things where you'll be like, man, I wish Jamal Murray was playing. Yes. But you don't. But yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Okay, so you got Utah winning what? 4-3? Four, 4-2 four, over Dallas? 4-2. Uh, 4-2. Yeah, four, two. Four, two. Alright. Phoenix, Utah, Western Conference Finals. I mean, Western Conference Finals. Who, go ahead. Who you got? Uh, Phoenix 4-3. Okay. So, who wins the MVP of the series? You Are you going Chris Paul or Devin Booker? I think it will be... Interesting, actually. I almost wanted to throw an insane wild card at you. Like, oh, DeAndre Ayton. But not even I can pull that off. Uh, I'm going to say it'll be Paul. Mostly so, for, not, not just for nostalgic reasons, but frankly, if Chris Paul can lead an NBA team past LeBron James, uh, past uh, Nurkic, and then past uh, Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, he deserves the MVP. What if it's... And if what, they're going to win, it's going to mean guys like Aiton and Booker have big series. And mm-hmm. part of that reason is going to be that Chris Paul is getting them the ball in the right place. But what if you're onto something with this DeAndre Aiton thing? Where he, he kind of held his own against Anthony Davis in round one. You know, he held his own against Nurkic in round two. Or in Jokic in round two. Uh, and then he beat Go- Rudy Gobert in the Western Conference Finals to kind of make himself as 
I'm the best big man in this league. I just ran through all three of them. And I, I could see it. I think DeAndre Ayton gets a very poor uh, rap. Mm-hmm. I think he's a lot better than anybody gives him credit for. And I think even if he wasn't as truly skilled as I think he is, the fact is this guy can thrive off lobs and pick and rolls all day. Just all day. So I do think I, Chris Paul and Aiton's two-man game will be a factor in each and every one of these series. And you made a, you made a good point. I mean, if it works out the way I'm saying it works out, that means Aiton is probably showing up each and every time. Yes, if you're going against those guys, you have to show. If you're getting through the Lakers, Denver, and Utah, your big man has to show up. Can I tell? I do want to. I want to backtrack a little bit because for some reason we've gone this entire time without me talking about Mikael Bridges. Yes, go ahead. That that guy is going to be the next Crowder. Uh, their 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 ability to be these huge guys off the bench that can spot up from three, guard one through four, sometimes even one through five has been an X factor in the season so far. And if they are going to be Anthony Davis and LeBron James, which I said, I think that Mikhail Bridges will be that guy. So honestly, it wouldn't even shock me if he is kind of the unsung or actually sung hero for this series. Because mm. I think every team needs uh, Mikhail Bridges. I love his game. To succeed. Every team. And he looks like he doesn't, ma- he doesn't mind getting in where he fits in. Chris, do your thing. Book, do your thing. I know you got to feed the big man too, so I don't mind being your fourth yeah. option, fifth option, whatever. Because I want to develop Cam as well. Yeah, like I'll get in where I fit in. I think a lot of that could be attributed. You know, his mom works for the Sixers, so I think a lot of that could be attributed to being around the game in some capacity and and just learning teamwork. It's like Steph and Clay. You know, I'm sure their dads taught them. Hey, you got to learn learn how to be teammates we weren't the best players we played with superstars you know alonzo morning and and those guys and larry johnson and and magic johnson and kareem so we know how to be a team player and not and only ma- that but Mikel bridges i mean he came went from went to villanova right had an incredible coach in jay Wright. yeah had nba teammates around him at that stage had right. considerable March Madness experience, and he has not missed the beat since he's transferred right. to the pros. Well, a lot, a lot of kids have that, and especially the ones who went to Villanova. I'm saying to get before that, there has to be something that still makes you that kind of great kid. Still makes you so. So there's a lot of kids who probably went to Villanova that aren't kind-hearted or aren't available to to play in there or any school who aren't available to know their role. Bridges just looks like exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, hey. I, I see what you mean. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, I think his background is a huge. It helps, right? Uh, it, it helps. Like yeah. you said, his mother has worked in the league. She she's demonstrated yeah. a lot of acumen on and off the court, and she has clearly raised the guy right. And uh, she's created this child and this basketball player that can go into any scenario right. and immediately succeed. Right. I mean, it's a testament to her and his coaches. You got traded. You got drafted by your hometown team where your mom works. Everybody, everybody projected you to go there, and you immediately get traded, and you come out of that good unscathed. You know, your feelings might have been hurt on draft night, but you got over that real quick. Now look at you. In fact, go, in fact, go beat them in the finals. <laughs> well, well, why not? I mean, <laughs> we've already created a career. We've already said that's probably not going to happen. Right. It'll be fun. Right, definitely. So my side, real quick, I have, I have Clippers-Lakers 
Western Conference Finals. So I got New York versus L.A., and it just happened this way. I wasn't trying to be cinematic about it or anything. But I have the Clippers beating the Lakers um, and, Clip, and with a Clippers-Brooklyn Finals. I just think that Phoenix can beat the Lakers. I just feel that the Lakers are the best they're ever going to be going forward. So now they're on their decline. And you can catch Mike Tyson with a Buster Douglas right at the right time, and it might drop them. And I think that the Clippers, someone's going to do it this year. So I think it's just they might be worn out by the time they get to the Western Conference Finals, you know, because Phoenix is going to give them a load. Now, if you say Phoenix can get through the Lakers and Phoenix is going to play Brooklyn because I have Brooklyn winning the whole thing, I'd actually be pulling for Phoenix to beat the Nets just because of Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green and Joe Harris. And man, who I'm tired. Yes. So that I would want Chris Paul to kind of be little Chris Paul, the dragon slay all of them. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we both agree that. He'll get a statue. <laughs> Chris Paul will get a statue for sure. <laughs> and, and there's plenty of real estate outside, uh, outside Jefferson Street in, uh, in Phoenix. Can you imagine, Sean, if Phoenix beat Brooklyn in the finals? I mean, it'll be it'll be great for me. I'll tell you that much. I, I'm sure it would be <laughs> for personal reasons. Yeah, uh, that'd be uh, crazy just for that that area. Yeah, I mean we we could we could use the the win and I follow that up with a Cardinal Super Bowl. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the Joey Watt restoring oh. greatness to the to the area. And Kyler, oh my goodness! Yeah. And, uh, I think regardless of what happens, Brooklyn is going to have to work for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. I don't think there will be a cakewalk unless injuries, knock on wood, uh, rear their head. I, uh, as I mentioned, I think the closest thing they will have to a cakewalk is that Celtic series. And even, and even we both agreed that it'll be some good basketball. Okay. Uh, but if you're telling me Brooklyn comes into the playoff, it comes into the finals... And whether it's as I think the Suns or you said the Clippers, right? Yes. I do think the Nets are just going to be a little too much. Yeah. For anybody. I think Kawhi. I think Kawhi is trying to match Bron. I can get three rings with three teams too, player. Yeah. So, and I think Kawhi is going to give it all he's got, but I just think Brooklyn's going to beat the Clippers. But if you got Phoenix going, I, I would love to see that. You know, because if, if he can do that, then everything you said about Chris Paul is you got to rethink that. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like, I, um, I've done a real 360 on Chris Paul yeah. these last three years. So have I. I did not like Chris Paul. But when he went to OKC, what, yeah. I fell in love with him. I, I loved him in school. I loved him in New Orleans. I loved him when he had to go to, to uh, OKC for a little bit. And then this Clipper, Clipper Chris Paul was when I started like falling off of Chris. I, I think I think it's interesting. Um, I, I mean, the trajectory is the same. Wake Forest, incredible. I remember that Chris Paul, uh, David West, Darren Collison, oh yes, teams, oh yeah, trying to go up against Kobe, and oh, we yeah. just knew it wasn't going to happen. But mm-hmm. they'd make you work for it. But then, like you said, we know Hollywood. He yeah. went to Houston. But something about 
uh, going to Oklahoma City and whether he's humbled himself or simply matured, or whether it's the fact that the entire league started copying him by flopping and he right. got, he got he, he learned that he had to just do his thing rather than uh, be more of the basketball Chris player than the Chris Paul than the State Farm after Chris Paul. Right. Uh, he's demonstrated that he uh, he's a real leader of men. I think Steph Curry kind of messed with that a little bit too, because he, you know, being from the same area, you know, Steph, um, you know, growing up trying to emulate him and Chris kind of shunning him because he kind of just shot right past him, you know, just like that State Farm commercial. You remember Steph was going up, Chris was going down on the escalator. Um, and I think that he kind of became the bad guy, like with just an attitude, uh, a resting Chris face, as I like to say. And- <laughs> And I think now he kind of, like you said, if anywhere is going to humble you, it's going to be Oklahoma City. And not in a bad way, people, but I'm just saying it's not L.A., you know. So, and I think that him just working on basketball and and with SGA and those kids and them being able to do what they did last year and now in Phoenix, like, oh, I, I, I can be a mentor and still efficient and not a butthole and be okay. And I think that that's just making... Chris Paul, like, awesome. Yeah, and, and if he could somehow pull this off, uh, win this championship going through this road, I mean, wow. unequivocally, he goes from being the point guard to probably the best point yeah. guard of all time. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, yeah. At least that's how the narrative works. And it's not damning Steph Curry in any way, because I would contend Steph Curry in his status as greatest shooter of all time isn't necessarily this... No, I don't think it makes him jump Steph Curry. I think it puts him right. He's he can he can smell Steph Curry. He's that close. <laughs> well, let's let's talk let's let's talk about this here okay. because here's the point I was kind of making. Steph Curry, I guess on paper he's a point guard. I guess yeah, you're right. If you're using that direction, yes, you're right. Right. If if we're going through these okay. positional. Okay. But everybody is telling me basketball's positionless, right. right? Okay. But in a minute, we try to do these one-to-one comparisons. Suddenly, we're we're locked in. Right. And I don't have a problem with that. You and I both talk about one through five. Yeah. We both care about that. But yes. If Steph Curry is going to be the primary scoring option on this team, then he can't be a one. Often, yes. Often out of necessity, then he is the engine of his team to that extent. But he's not the guy being forced to. <clears throat> to take it's, nights off from scoring to right. facilitate, right? It's like Eric Snow and Allen Iverson. Eric yes. Snow was the point guard, yes. Because if Steph Curry doesn't score 30 points a game, the Warriors are probably losing more often than not, right? Definitely. He scored, what, like 37 yesterday yeah. and they still lost to the Grizzlies? Right. I tell you what, if Chris Paul goes scoreless, he's probably going to have 15 assists. You're right. He's probably going to have four steals. He'll probably have some rebounds, and frankly, he probably will have gotten to a to a fight with the other team's point guard that Definitely. just got in that dude's head. Definitely, it's like I don't, I can't score right now, you guys. I have to finish playing with his head. <laughs> I know, I've, I've had the opportunity to watch Chris Paul, and I've never seen a guy take over a game without scoring like he can. Right. Uh, so this is taking nothing up up against Steph Curry, but as the pure ar- archetype of point guard, then Chris Paul. If he wins a championship, which I don't think he will this year, but I think he'll get close. Okay. Uh, I think his legacy is set in, set in stone. Now, if the Lakers sweep him, then we got problems. <laughs> then let's all go back to making fun of the poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Chris Paul sucks. He weren't. He wasn't humbled in OKC. 
Exactly. Right. Right. Hey, Sean. Thanks again, man. Um, after these first this first round, we're gonna relook at this uh, um, mess of a uh, picks that projections that we did. And um, everybody, uh, enjoy some NBA playoffs. Uh, long time coming. Can't wait to talk to you again, Sean. Absolutely. All right, buddy. All right. Thanks again, Sean, for coming out, hanging with me. We covered a lot today. Fun times. Uh, looking forward uh, to the rest of the playoffs coming in. Thanks, everybody, for supporting us. You can follow us on Instagram at FrontOfficeGM. We appreciate you all. Um, stay safe out there, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.